to Affirming Truths. I'm your friend and host, Carla Arges. This show is a safe place to share our struggles, grow in faith, and root our identity in Christ. My hope is that you will leave each episode feeling encouraged in your journey. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey friends, it's Carla here. Can I just tell you, can I just be honest with you, that I have been wrestling with God in terms of recording this episode. I really have it on my heart to talk to you guys about shame. I really have it on my heart to encourage you guys that you don't have to live in the chains of shame when you're in Christ. But I've been battling stepping up to the microphone and recording this podcast because I want to share with you my shame. And that's hard. That's hard. But here's what I know about shame. Shame is the biggest tool that the enemy uses to isolate us from God. Shame is the biggest tool the enemy uses to isolate us from each other. Shame is one of the biggest tools the enemy uses to stop us from walking in our purpose. God has purpose over our life. We are designed to make kingdom impact with where he places us in the different seasons seasons of our life. And the enemy wants to rob us of that. He wants us to rob us of relationship with God, our heavenly father. And a big way he does that is through shame, through accusing us of our past, of reminding us of our past in keeping us locked in like regret and shame, believing that we can't be forgiven by God, believing that what we did was too horrible. And I don't know if this relates to you or not. I don't know if there's any one of you listening today that feels locked in shame. Locked in shame. Maybe it's for drinking. Maybe you have struggled with pornography. Maybe you have infidelity in your life. Um, Whatever it is, whatever it is, the enemy wants to accuse us shame us and cut us off from God. Because what do we do when we feel ashamed? We hide. We see that as the very reaction of Adam and Eve in the garden. They disobeyed God and were confronted with their nakedness, a beautiful example of being ashamed. And what did they do? They hid. They hid from God. And our shame keeps us hiding from God. Our shame has us believe that there's no way he can forgive us. There's no way he can use us. Our shame keeps us silent in pointing to Jesus. And I can relate to that so much. And I would love to say to you guys that I have it all completely figured out. But can I tell you the truth? I still wrestle with shame today. I have to cling to the truth that Jesus tells me because the enemy, even now, even decades later, accuses me 
of one of the things I am most ashamed about in my past. I have I have a what the kids would call a colorful past. I have trauma, I have hurt, I have addiction, I have homelessness. And I also have the experience of not one, but two teenage pregnancies. Oh man. Oh, that girl still hurts. That girl still grieves the decisions I made out of those pregnancies. I remember with my first pregnancy, I was so scared. I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I ended up uh, finding myself on the doorstep of a church. I still wasn't reconciled in my relationship with God. I was still far from him, lost, lost. If you heard my first episode, you know, I was a prodigal daughter. I was lost. I was hurting. I was broken. And then on top of that, I was faced with a teenage pregnancy. And it ended up on the doorstep of this church. And I found people that wanted to convince me that my pregnancy was life. The thing is, I didn't need convincing of that. I believed what was inside me was life. I've never believed it was just a clump of cells. I knew it was life. I didn't need that convincing. What I needed was hope and support on how to get through it. And in my fear and in not having anyone point to me hope, I ended up having an abortion. And then three months later, found myself in the exact same predicament, pregnant again. Now, I have since learned in my work in um, pro-life organizations that it is not uncommon for women who have abortions to repeat a pregnancy, sort of like looking for a do-over, that they repeat a trauma that they've gone through. I mean, it's not uncommon in the trauma world, not just the, the pregnancy world, to reheat, repeat traumas and try to carve out a new ending for them. And so I think that's what was happening. And this time I wanted it to be different. Oh, I wanted it to be different. So I went to my mom and I told her I was pregnant, hoping for reassurance, love, support. I didn't expect my mom to be proud of me, but I thought, you know, she's a Christian woman. She's not going to let me relive the trauma of abortion again. She's not going to let that happen. And instead I was met with a lot of coldness. I was met with the accusation that I was going to be the death of my father And I was forced into another abortion in secret. My father never knew. My mom very coldly left me alone to go through it on my own. She didn't talk to me. She didn't hold space for me. It was very difficult. I felt once again abandoned by the world by God, it was really hard. 
And I have gone through a lot of therapy for my abortion specifically. There's a lot of trauma associated with them because it was against what I believed. See, I, I believed those were babies. It was against what I believed. It was against what I knew was God's best. It was against what I knew would have been God's hope. It was against my soul. It was against my spirit. It was against everything that I knew in my body to be right and true. Yet the fear of my circumstance took over. The loneliness and the abandonment and the judgment in my circumstance took over. And I acted out of fear. And it has plagued me my whole life. I can't even tell you the re-traumatization, if that's a word, I went through when I was pregnant with Caleb and the anxiety that overcame me. I suffered from huge uh, prenatal, so not postpartum, prenatal depression and anxiety. And I'm convinced it was because of the triggering effects that pregnancy had based on my abortions. I've grieved, I've buried, I've disassociated, I've numbed, but the devil has been so good at reminding me, look at what you did. Look at what you did. Look at how you went against God. Look at how you broke so many commandments. Look at how you lived. And for a long time, the shame of those actions kept me from re reconciling with God. I was too ashamed to approach him. I can't look him in the eye. I can't ask him to forgive me. Because what I did was so horrible. Slowly. God's truth start to come over me. That his forgiveness was for me, for all of me. That what he did at the cross covered everything, including those decisions. But it's hard. It is hard. It's hard because while Christ's forgiveness is immediate and complete, my human experience of that trauma, my human experience of not forgiving myself, my human experience of being judged in Christian communities has kept the shame very real. God may have forgiven me, but it's been so hard to forgive myself. It has been so hard in that shame to accept that maybe I do have a voice. It's been hard for me to make friendships with Christian women because I've been so afraid of being found out. 
because I've heard the conversation some Christian women have had on the, on the topic of abortion. And even though they didn't know what they were talking about related to me, I felt the judgment. I felt the sting. I felt the shame. I felt that I couldn't be accepted. And I felt, who am I to do kingdom work? Even now in launching this podcast, in writing for the Bible app, in creating Bible study guides, in speaking truth over women, the devil wants to tell me, who are you to do that? Look at all that you've done. And I just want to say, friend, if you can relate, the enemy is a liar. The enemy is a liar. He wants to trick you into believing that what you've done is unforgivable because he knows the mighty way God could use your testimony to point to him. The enemy knows how God can use your testimony for kingdom purpose, and he wants you to stay silent. You know, we sang this song in church the other day. It says, hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Friend, every chain has been broken off. You are no longer bound to your shame. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. You have been saved. Your past sins, your struggles, your failures, your shame points have been nailed to the cross. You are set free in Christ. I know it's hard. It's hard to accept that. We accept it for others, don't we? Don't we? Like we know without a doubt that God can redeem anyone. We know, we believe it so fervently that God's salvation and forgiveness is for everyone. No matter what you've done, we would testify to that. We would encourage a brother or sister in Christ in that. We would go to the non-believer who's ashamed of their past and say, no, God's restoration and redemption is for you. And yet we have a hard time appropriating it for ourselves, don't we? Don't we? I want to encourage you. That God's forgiveness, his shed blood covers you and has made you free. But maybe you have to grieve it. Maybe you have to still go through the human process of healing, right? Like God forgives us. God sets us free. God forgives me of my abortions, but I still have to heal from the trauma. I've had to grieve my situation. I've had to grieve my decisions. I've had to heal from the trauma. I've had to learn to forgive others that I expected more from in that situation. 
I've had to go through the healing process. I've had to surrender my hurts to God. I've had to go to therapy. But all these things are necessary in our healing. And all these things have been necessary for me to forgive myself. Sometimes when we're locked in shame, it's not about God forgiving us. He does. It's about us forgiving ourselves. And one of the things I've had to realize is that I'm not holier than God. I'm not more just than God. God is just. God is holy. God is love. He's perfectly just and perfectly merciful. And if him being all those things, fully just and fully holy, if he can forgive me, who am I not to offer myself forgiveness? Who am I to to stand in the way of the plans and purpose he has over my life? Now, if I believe Romans 8.28 to be true, which I do, that he will work all things out for good according to his purposes, to who he has called. If I believe that to be true, then I believe that he can work good out of this evil that happened. But I have to be available. And shame keeps us unavailable. Shame keeps us unavailable. The enemy wants to believe you to believe that you're not lovable. The enemy wants to believe that you're not worthy. The enemy wants to believe you to believe that you're broken beyond God's restoration. Friend, that's not true. Whatever your shame, whatever you've done, the blood of Jesus Christ covers it. If you repent to him, he covers it. He sets you free. He sets you free. And maybe for you, you'd say, okay, Carla, that's easy for you to say. Your shame point was a specific event in time. You're not living in it anymore. Maybe some of you are still struggling with the thing that gives you shame. Maybe you're still struggling with pornography. Maybe you're still struggling with addiction. Maybe you're still struggling with unforgiveness. Friend, as Christians, we all still are in the process of sanctification. We all still at some point have a struggle with sin. Turn it over to God. Turn it over to God. Find a trusted accountability partner that you can go to. Shine light on it appropriately. Because here's the thing, shame grows in the dark. Shame grows in the dark. When we keep our shame secret from God and from our community, it grows. And when I say community, I don't mean you have to put your shame on blast on social media. I'm talking about the God-given community he wants us to be in. Accountability partners, 
trusted friendships, therapists, even I've had to do my work in therapy, but when we keep it in the dark, it grows. It, it's hooks get deeper into us. We need to shine the light on the thing that is trying to keep us in shame because the light drives out darkness. When you shine the light on it, you see God's truth. You see his love. You see his forgiveness. You see his mercy. You see his grace. And you see that it is available to you. Now, still a work in progress for me. My shame runs deep. My shame has had years to grow deep roots. But I am committed to not letting it stay there. I am committed to daily turning over my shame to Christ and accepting his forgiveness. Not that I need daily forgiveness. Once he forgave me, it was forgiven. But I need the daily reminder of how good Christ is. I need the daily reminder And so friend, turn your shame over to God, give it to him, shine light on it. Do not let it root deeper in the dark. Let's uproot it. The enemy wants to accuse you, but God, he wants to use you for his glory. And it doesn't matter your past. God is a God of redemption and restoration. If you look at some of the great heroes of the Bible, they had pasts. They had things that they could be ashamed about. But God did not accuse them. When the crowd gathered and wanted to stone that woman for adultery, God did not sit there and accuse her and heap shame on her head. He forgave her and loved her and protected her. Friend, God has that same reaction to you and your shame. He loves you. He forgives you. He wants to comfort you. And he wants to use you. He wants to use your voice for the kingdom. You no longer need to be stuck in shame because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And friend, you are free. Now you've got to walk in it. Now you've got to act like it. And when the devil comes to remind you of your sin, you remind him of his fate. You remind him of your freedom and ultimately where he's going to end up. You are free. And that takes us to our affirming truth for today, that I am free from shame in Christ Jesus. And we have that promise in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them, which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Friend, God loves you in your shame and he frees you from it. It's time to get up 
and walk in that freedom. Thanks for joining me today. I hope we're already friends on social media, but if we're not, come find me on Instagram at Carla Arges or at Affirming Truth. Can't wait to see you back here next week. Bye, friends.